What up, Long Beach? Hope you had a great weekend, and welcome back to the only podcast that features the Long Beach State Athletics Director, Andy Fee. It's the LB Fee Show, and as always, this show is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, J.J. Fiddler, and to my right, my co-host, Mike Artabasio. That's right. We do this show every two weeks. We bring on another Long Beach State coach to talk about their season. This week, we're going to be joined by Gavin Arroyo of the Long Beach State Water Polo Program, always one of our favorite guys to talk to, long history at this school and in this city. Uh, but before we get to that, we got to bring on Andy. Andy, welcome to your show, gentlemen. How are we doing? So you, you're you're like big timing us media wise now. Uh. We're like we're this we're this we're this we're the <laughs> small fish now. I've been seeing you on the New York Times. I've been seeing you in the LA Times. <laughs> it's not a surprise to us that Andy knows how to give a quote. But the media of America flipped sure. out when they found out. <laughs> so you've been t- I, now. I was hoping that it would be like, oh, everyone's finally national media is finally catching up with the men's volleyball program uh, or something. But they want to talk to you about, I believe it's state bill. Is it two oh six? That is correct. Two oh six. Uh, why don't you break down, uh, you know, what's going on and why you've been talking to the national uh, news organizations about it? Yeah, Senate Bill two oh six, which uh, is currently on Governor Newsom's desk for him to to sign or not sign, but. Um, this is a, a bill that would allow um, student athletes the ability to to sell their name, image, or likeness. Um, We're talking about uh, autograph deals or endorsement deals, things like that. Correct. Right. Be on a commercial or you know show up and sign autographs on a Saturday, uh, things of that nature, as well as uh, the bill would allow for a student athlete to to hire an agent. Um, to assist in that in that effort as well, so um, that would be a a substantial departure from where we we currently reside in in collegiate athletics. And I have been vocal about it um, based upon a few things. Um, and what I've said to people is, it's not in opposition to the conversation or the subject matter. It's an opposition of what I'll call the mechanism, which is the actual Senate Bill 206, which I believe has some negative um, unintended consequences. I think JJ and I have sort of covered that as well. I mean, like state state senates are usually not where you would want to do your most sensitive uh, athletics uh, legislation. Correct. <laughs> uh, for example, I think it was two years ago the state passed a bill saying that cheerleading is now a high school sport in California. Which obviously, I mean, and we've seen a gajillion of these events of the pyramid. Obviously, it's existed as a competitive sport, but specifically, their bill meant okay, now it's a CIF sport, which means all of a sudden they come under CIF transfer regulations, <laughs> academic eligibility, all this other stuff they didn't have to deal with before. And JJ and I were kind of laughing because the overwhelming response of the cheer community was, oh, we really wish you hadn't done that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, my question to you, and I, I love that you've represented that, that it's like you're not opposed to the conversation. You just wish it had come from the athletic directors or from the NCAA or whatever else. I guess my, my question to you is, do you feel that the NCAA has, like, left the door open by not doing something like this themselves? Like, would they have had more control over it had they been proactive about pushing something like this on their own terms? You could definitely make that argument. Um, you know, the the NCAA is a huge membership, so sometimes it seems as there as though there is a glacial pace to things. So I understand people who get frustrated with how long it takes sometimes to to maneuver. But you've got a total of thirteen hundred schools that comprise the NCAA between Division One, Two, and Three. So. Um, 
you know, I, I think that this this bill, in my opinion, for what it's worth, is an is an effort by the authors to to force the conversation, which you know I can understand. Um, but I agree with that, especially because it, it wouldn't take effect until is it twenty twenty three? Yeah, January that, one, twenty twenty three. That was part of why I felt like it was a like you said. It's I, I believe. The political Bruce McRae, the political insiders, I believe, would call it a conversation bill for <laughs> for exactly that reason. It's like, okay, we'd have three years to actually work out what this would look like. Um, so, what do you what do you think? You've been much more involved in the process than we have. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think the governor is going to sign it? If you had to bet on that one way or another, and what do you think will happen at Long Beach State for USC football for the NCAA, you know, nationwide? What do you think will happen if he does sign it? Yeah, I mean, if you know, I'm 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 open and honest with you guys. I I think he'll sign the bill. I think Governor Newsom signs it. That's just what my gut tells me. I don't have any super duper insider info that I know that for sure, but that would be my guess. Um, there is a a a pause, so to speak, a three year pause um, until the the bill would would fully come into effect, but. You know, it's it's difficult to go back in time with legislation like this. So part of the conversation, I guess, is what I've said to people. So you've got Senate Bill 206, which could become law. There has been a few states that have floated things. And now you get into, I've used the analogy of, of playing uh, Monopoly. And right now you have everyone playing the same rules. Potentially you could have if Governor Newsom signs it. California having a set of rules. So now, you know, we're, we're sitting here at the, at the Monopoly board with two sets of rules. Now, you know, New York has some language out there, about 15%. And so, you know, now is there a four? I mean, pr- right, when, you, when you don't... We're close to a number of these things passing in different states. Right, and so then how's anybody right? playing with any standard of, of fairness and, or equity in terms of when you step onto the field of competition that everybody's playing by the same rules... So I think that's a little scary part of doing this at the state legislature level because there's no way 50 states are all agreeing to the same. I mean, there's, you know, the political climate from left to right all over the country is different from from everywhere you go. But, um, you know, some of the immediate things, you know, I think are where does that leave us in terms of um, what I'll call, I'll call it negative recruiting, but you know, you're going to have coaches out there outside of California who are going to try and leverage that to scare recruits. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it'll be great for California. Well, double-edged sword, because, yeah, in theory, it sounds great. You know, hey, come to California. You're going to get some extra money in your pocket. Or who knows, because if the NCAA doesn't change their rules, a student-athlete who would, in January 1 of 2023, let's say they signed an endorsement deal, the state law allows that they would be able to keep their scholarship, but that doesn't mean that they necessarily get to play. Because right. if, this, if the NCAA rules don't change, we can't knowingly play someone that is breaking an NCAA rule. So it's this weird cart before the horse. So I believe it's the unstoppable force meets the immovable object of like state law and NCAA eligibility, which usually that Venn diagram was a circle. <laughs> Correct. Correct. (laughs) But if this gets signed would obviously be uh, two circles with some space in between them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in the meantime, what I would hope is that we could continue the conversation and find hopefully some sort of compromise or a a better ground um, that we can all stand on. Because I do think 
there is something to the effect of what we term amateur sports here in the United States and what we term professional sports here in the United States. And, you know, I, I will always say that, you know, we don't always help ourselves because the NCAA is, there's nothing like it. It's when describing it, I always tell people trying to describe what I did. It's like talking about a foreign planet to people because you can't compare it to anything. Well, and you travel internationally, so you see this. I mean, JJ and I have written about this because we've had high school students here that were international, but we're going to talk to Coach Arroyo about it in a couple minutes, right? Like people come from around the world to America because the NCAA is unique, because there aren't places where you can go, I mean, really almost anywhere else where you can go play, you know, get an education and play on scholarship. The flip side of that also then is, because there isn't that, if you're in Europe and you're an athletic phenom, you're with a professional team when you're 13 years old, right? And there's pluses to that for the family and the kid, but there's also the negatives of being a 13-year-old professional. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how – there's so many things up in the air. I think you're – you and I have had this conversation with JJ as well that, like, I think mid-majors are the last remaining – NCAA like when we talk when people talk about the good things about the NCAA to me what they're talking about is mid-majors where like you said like you're not driving out of here in a Lamborghini with like (laughs) yeah you know with the custom stuff and the school is not making 150 million dollars off of its sports like you guys exist hopefully in a balance of spending money and bringing money in to give the scholarships out to the kids and that's not the case that's the case for most schools but it's not the case for all schools and I think the problem with Again, this coming from the state legislature is, well, they're not going to necessarily think about that separation. They're not going to think about the difference between USC football, Alabama football, and Long Beach State cross country. Yeah. (laughs) With due respect to Coach Winget, right? Like, it's a slightly different situation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's so many different variances. You know, I I had a a great conversation with somebody, and and I love this this idea that they brought up because we were talking about professional versus amateur and the pros versus college. And um, this person, they really summed it up really well. So their, their premise was the pro leagues are basically driven by the players. It's all about the players, like GMs, coaches, basically very few have control over rosters or the draft room outside of a Bill Belichick or a few. Most of them are given a roster and said, hey, go out there and win. And that's the way it is. The NCAA is actually driven more around coaches. I want to go to Alabama and play for Nick Saban because he's going to get me to the NFL. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go play for Coach K because he's going to get me to the NBA. Players go to schools because they may have some buddies, but it's really more driven around the coaches. And I'm not saying one's right or one's wrong. I'm just saying it's very different. So I think sometimes when people look at the NCAA, they don't necessarily see it the same way. And I think that goes back to how maybe we don't do a very good job of explaining how we do it, why we do it, or what the history of all of it is, because it is so different. Um, if you look at the the pro leagues now where the, the power resides with the players, I mean, it's yeah. LeBron James, it's King James. It's, you don't have that necessarily in college athletics. It's just very different. Yeah, well said. Fascinating topic that I'm sure I'm, we'll talk yeah, about say, a hope, lot more. Uh, hopefully in two weeks the governor has made a decision one way or another and we'll actually have some more like news to report on what exactly but no matter, But no matter what he <laughs> says, we're still going to be talking about it after that because it's not going anywhere. The conversation right. of paying players is still going to be here until somebody figures out how to solve it. This is going to be ongoing. Absolutely. So before we get to Coach Royal, like we mentioned, we're going to swing it around the horn for our This Week at the Beach segment. We'll start with that men's water polo team ranked number nine in the nation right now after winning 
winning all four of their matches at the Air Force uh, Tournament in Colorado. We had two guys who were All-Americans last year, and they were the stars this weekend. Senior Austin Stewart scored a game-high six goals in the win over number 20 Brown, and sophomore Garrett Zahn scored a team-high three goals in the win over Air Force. They are at USC in the MPSF Tournament this weekend. But player of the week at Long Beach State has got to go to freshman Owen Averett, who is the men's golf newest player and also the first medalist of the year. He was the co-medalist at the Husky Invitational in Washington after shooting a six under in two rounds. He shot a five under in the first round and helped Long Beach State finish second in that tournament that ended due to weather, something that happens all over the country. Except for Southern California. I don't know how it happens. Uh, The women's volleyball team continues to struggle with injuries. Had another couple players go down uh, over the weekend. They're 3-9. and Lost the three matches at the USD Invitational last weekend. But uh, our good buddy Haley Harward, who I feel like Haley Harward is, every year there's a kid we feel like has been here for seven years. Oh, she's the Aaron Craft of Long Beach State, for sure. I I told Haley, I was like, I feel like I've been covering you for half my 13-year career (laughs) career at this point. Um, Haley finished the week with 27 digs bringing her career total to 1,324, just 11 digs shy of making the top five all-time here at Long Beach State. That team has got a big match against number 13 Hawaii on Friday at 7 p.m. in the Pyramid. Yeah, and you got to go see that match because it's the first time in eight matches that they'll be in the Walter Pyramid, and it will be the last time that they're in the Walter Pyramid until they host Cal State Fullerton in Big West Conference action on October 18th. So see them while you can. And speaking of seeing them while you can, We've got to mention the game of the week this week. It's going to be women's soccer at George Allen Field on Thursday at 7 p.m., hosting number seven BYU. And Andy, I just kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about how Mauricio Ingracia has built that program around these home and home agreements with elite programs and elite teams around the nation. He only went to go play BYU knowing that BYU was going to play him. And that's really how he's built that hold on Southern California talent around this local area because he plays the big teams from all over the place and then they come here. You know, you see those big crowds for the UCLA matches. There's obviously going to be another one for BYU. Talk about how important that is, not only for soccer, but for other programs as well. Yeah, it's uh, it really powers the program. When you look at the schedule, athletes want to play against the best. You want to measure yourself against the very best. And as you said, BYU coming in is number seven in the country. It's going to be a great match. Uh, but Mauricio has done a fantastic job over the years building this thing to where it is today. And you have to do it in a, in a way that gives you a chance for the postseason um, NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously, last year is the perfect scenario. You win the regular season and you win the conference tournament. And we always want to do that. That's obviously goal number one. But there may be a year where maybe we get the silver medal at, at the conference tournament and you still want to get in as an at-large into, an, into the postseason. And you do that by playing a schedule that you don't duck people. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've got to balance it. Obviously, you want to have, you know, a good blend of home and away. Uh, but when you can go last year to, to BYU and, and, and get a W there, I mean, that's a huge, huge RPI boost. Yeah. Um, and that and that's really a great message to our other programs who get to watch what Mauricio's done, um, because at this level in the mid-major world, you know, football that that we don't have it, but that's just so it's just a different planet. We are uber competitive in the Olympic sports, as we like to call them. So um, it really sets the tone for our year with with women's soccer. And and obviously, they've had a little struggle. I mean, I think we've lost three matches by one goal and, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple breaks here or there. And 
Um, we're really excited to see. Um, I think this is a pivotal match to the fans out there. I encourage you to come out to George Allen Field. We need a really loud crowd. We've had great home crowds uh, this season so far, and, and I know we're going to get another great one on Thursday. All right, before we bring on our special guests, we just wanted to remind Long Beach State fans about the 562.org and all the coverage we've had going on of Long Beach State teams. We've got your daily newsletter, highlight videos, previews, recaps, photo, live updates on Twitter, and of course, it's nice just to have a couple of sports writers that are actually covering the teams that you like and care about. That would be JJ and me, and we're very happy to talk to you guys on Twitter or at a game or wherever else. So be sure to go to the 562.org, click subscribe, and sign up on our Patreon. We're just three people away from our goal for the month. And next week, we'll be announcing our first ever merchandise. It's a surprise we're really excited about, exclusive to subscribers. I'm going to guess that we will see Andy Fee walking around rocking some of that in the next couple of weeks. So be sure and go check that out. We now welcome on our special guest. He's the head honcho of the water polo program here at Long Beach State. And his men's team is off to a nice start this season after winning the GCC title last year and making it to the NCAA tournament. It's Gavin Arroyo. Coach, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Last time we talked, we were doing the preview for mm -hmm. your season. And you kind of called it a work in progress. Like you felt like every day you went to practice, you were having to hand out those starting caps to a different group of seven guys. How is it going? Is it still a work in progress? Yeah, no, it's it's slowly slowly getting there. We've we're we were let's say there was five guys in limbo and got two, got two more, up to four, and then um, and today we got the last one. So as of today, we are fully operational. Is that breaking news? Are we breaking news here on the LBF show? That is that is breaking news. Oh, awesome. Breaking news. Dee, 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 yeah, I was just gonna say, <laughs> producer Roger, gotta go get that uh, <laughs> that wire yeah. sounds. I'm gonna save Roger. We, we don't need siren sounds. I'll just make all the sound effects for the show. So this last piece that just fell into place yes. is this the guy that you were talking to me about for the preview? Yes, yes. His name is Rafael Vergara, and uh, he is coming from Brazil. And I saw him all summer with the national team. He was their best guy on their senior team, and. Uh, it's been a work in progress. He's had a pretty interesting academic career, so uh, jumped through some hoops, and it's the worth, the worth, the worth, and the it's finally worth it to go through all the the steps, I guess. Yeah, it's got to be hard getting all that paperwork going. Well, yeah, and I've never seen anything like it in the years that I've been here. It's we definitely learned some new rules, found some uncharted <laughs> waters, and uh, let's just say. Uh, I'm complete. <laughs> I'm Congratulations. Complete yes, Thank that's you. always the joy of international players is like, oh, they don't right. have high school in the country that he's from. So right. we've got to. <laughs> right. Or they're not working in August or school's closed. How am I supposed to get that? What, what type of player is Rafael? Is he, is he similar to anybody else you have on the team right now? Um, he, uh, if you remember a, a player we had a couple years back, like Nick Rascone. Yes. He's just real explosive. Um, He's great vertical game, but he's also really mobile, which is good for the college game because they they want mobility. Um, so he, he's he's dangerous from his shot, and he's also dangerous to to move and get inside and, and do those things. So. You know, you're always the first to tell us that you're battling against the Goliaths of your sport all the time, trying right. to get the kids at the Pac-12 schools just accept into their school sometimes. Mm -hmm. When you get a kid like this. Mm -hmm. Is there something that puts you guys above and beyond the other schools? Was it a personal relationship? I mean, I know you've gotten a lot of experience with Team USA. Is stuff like uh -huh. that helping you on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I just an ability to see some of these kids. Um, when I was doing the you know the cadets, the 15s, that was a great age group because at least you kind of get a head start on who's good when they're 15. Mm -hmm. um, and then doing the junior team, you could see the 18s and 19s. And, and actually being on the senior team doesn't exactly help that much because most of the guys are older right. and not college age. So... 
Um, but no, it definitely helps. It's a small community, even internationally, it's a small community. So word, word travels pretty fast on who's good, who's not. And so, so you've yes. got those newcomers in place. You've mm-hmm. also got two American, all American returners in Austin Stewart and Garrett Zahn, uh, Stewie, the redshirt senior, you called mm-hmm. him a coach in the pool. Yeah. Just, to, just talk about how he controls the game. Is it really just him telling everybody where to be? Um, you know, he, he doesn't, let's just say he's not, uh, a loquacious guy. He, uh, <laughs> but he, he just sees everything and, and, and just subtle communication, even just a body language, a look a, a head nod, a, on this and that. Um, and I, it, it, I think it's all about having somebody that can understand your vision down to the detail and can translate that to the group. Some guys naturally understand everything. And then some guys, it takes a little bit of directing and he's the coach in the pool. So yeah, you call him kind of like your point guard. I yeah. Thought, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Because you can have a scoring point guard. Yeah. And you can have a pass first point guard. Exactly. But Stewie's got a both, right? Yeah, let's just say like at the end of the game when you're when the goalie's looking to throw the ball to somebody, I'm trying to find him immediately and make sure that he has the ball. Good one to have. You also got Garrett Zahn. Yep. You you just keep calling him like just uber athletic, just an athlete. Yeah. We you know, like you said, going back to kind of what the Pac twelve gets, they seems like talent kinda of gets dumped in their, their lap and and we're coaching up a lot of guys and then sometimes there's just guys that Obviously, you're coaching, but sometimes you're just let's not ruin this, or let's <laughs> not let's not get in his way because I just you just got to find a place for him to to get the ball, and that's basically what your coaching is. And so, obviously, something you know the three of us have talked about a lot um, with bringing more fans to water polo is not being able to see everything that's happening, right? Like mm-hmm. we talk about the, those Olympic cameras that are underwater. What can you say to a general fan, to a basketball fan about what are you looking for in terms of athleticism from a water polo player? Like, like when you say a guy is more athletic than another water polo player, how are you measuring that? A guy, some guys just move naturally in the water. Um, I, I guess one example would be watching me on land would be not what you want. Right. <laughs> in terms of athleticism in the water. I, Biologically, you're more, yes, yes, you're a water yes, person. I am, yes, I am closer to our amphibious ancestors than, uh, <laughs> I miss the, the man DNA thing. I don't know, the land. So. <laughs> but, you know, he just, he could just, he's a step ahead and he can accelerate in the water and he's just real explosive. And um, so I guess that's kind of. Are there dry land, for lack of a better term, exercises that you guys do to build your in-pool dexterity? Yeah, I mean, you know, plyometric stuff I think is great for us. Um, mm-hmm. Everything that we do in the water is, in my opinion, you know, is leg-oriented. And, you know, we, so like Olympic lifts and stuff like that, it, 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 it translates because it's the same muscle memory. There's just nothing to stand on. So, right. But in terms of this goes now, then the core goes, and then, you know, extremities go, it's, it's the same, same idea. So we can strengthen those, hmm. those uh, connections. So. so you never miss leg day. Guys aren't missing leg day, no. It's the wrong sport for that, no. for sure. No. <laughs> I believe my first practice, fresh soft water polo, the, the test was like, go tread water for 60 minutes. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> it was that like, was if you can't coach. do it, then, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. that, yeah, that weeds out the kids who really don't want to be there. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> um, speaking of some kids who really want to be here, you've got mm-hmm. two uh, international kids in goal for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we m- met and got to see Marwan Darwish win the uh, GCC MVP award last year mm-hmm. in the tournament. And you've got a newcomer this year mm-hmm. who might be even better, but is also kind of going through like the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that international transfer. It's almost as difficult out of the pool as it is in the pool. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's a culture shock all, you know, all the way around. So 
um, you know, it's funny. We took the guy. We were in Colorado Springs on the weekend, and we took the guys to a steakhouse. And and I know that Europe has a lot of great things, but the one thing that USA will <laughs> will beat Europe every time in is the, the the size of the steak. Yes. And he was like, Oh no no, you know we have good you know food in Montenegro. I said, I know you do, but have you ever this is seen? Andre said this. Yeah yeah yeah. Have you, have you ever seen you know like a ribeye, <laughs> <laughs> like twenty two ounce thing? And when it came, his eyes just went like, Okay, you're right. <laughs> But you know, get it, you know, food, language, uh, school, and yeah. then new team, and all that stuff is, is, is can be pretty consuming. So it's the school in of itself. Like I was talking to Marwin last year when I did the feature on on him and, and you guys, and he was just talking about like study habits. Like mm -hmm. you have to learn, you have to relearn how to go to school mm -hmm. while also learning how to be a member of a team. It's, yeah. it's kind of two completely different things. Yeah, and I, th I think. You know, internationally, one takes prior to the other. Are you either really serious about school or you're really serious about sport? And, and to do both, I mean, that's why it's a lot of kids come over here because you can do well at both. So, like when I was playing pro over there, it was you know even the kids that were 19, 18, they were they'd go late to school, yeah, or they they'd miss school and test out of classes and wow, or or their or their kids would just be school and then they would come practice two or three times a week. So. Is Marwin kind of showing uh, Andre the ropes of, of, of how to do it since he literally did it last year and stepped right into the cage for you guys? I mean, yeah, no, it's 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 hard because you're competing with this guy for your, your spot, but there's also, you know, Marwin's got experience on what it's like to be a foreigner, what it's like not knowing a lot of things and, um, you know, helping him through that. Marwin's a great person for, I'm going to help this guy try to take my spot, you know, and he's, he's, he's done that and we've made him co-captain and he's he just... He's been great with that. So, man, well, you that's got you ultimate get, teamwork right there. Say, you got to <laughs> respect the selflessness. So, JJ mentioned the GCC. Give us a preview. Uh, you know, how, how do things shake out this year? What are you, what are your thoughts as you guys are looking at the conference? It is um, probably the strongest our conference teams have been since I've been coaching. Um, Santa Barbara's beaten USC. Uh, they beat Cal and they beat Stanford already. Um, you know, Pepperdine's really good. Uh, UOP is probably on on paper the the favorites you know going into the season. Mm -hmm. So between you know those three and then Irvine's always strong and then San Jose State's playing well. So it's San Jose State took Cal to overtime, and they're supposed to be you know uh, on paper anyway, not supposed to be the favorites. So <laughs> right. so even you can't. I mean everybody on a given day is is going to be tough. So yeah, and you you've got a crazy uh, homestand at Kettlingwood Aquatic Center coming up here mm -hmm. in October, an eight-game homestand that includes the first three GCC games of the year against mm -hmm. San Jose State, UCSB, and Pacific. So that mm -hmm. those three games next month will pretty much tell you where you guys are at. Yeah, um, and again, the the funny the, well the fun thing about having your own conference is like last year, whoever wins wins. Isn't, I mean, that sounds silly and obvious, but yeah. You could be going into the conference uh, tournament seated last, and I wouldn't be surprised if that team wins. I mean, it's that, it's that, uh, it's that close. Cool. So you also have the alumni game coming up on Friday, October 11th, and a little special. The 12th, the 12th. Or, or excuse me, the 12th, Saturday, the 12th. Friday, October 11th is the that's the event that I'm more excited for. That's the JoJo's. That's, that's the, the JoJo's that's the, thing. That's the, that's okay. The, the pregame JoJo's. At up. least you're not doing it on the same day, because I don't know if you went to JoJo's first, if you guys would make yeah, it over to the water, pool. Water polo, perhaps volleyball, men's volleyball, would maybe be the only sports you could do, the, jo the Joe's trip and the alumni game on the same day. So Friday you guys are doing a thing at JoJo's. Correct. Is it a, like an alumni event? Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah, just a, a Friday night. We're trying to give all the advantage to the current student-athletes and 
Get the alumni a little hurting the next day. <laughs> it's a great call. So, right, it's a yeah. great call. And then Saturday, coming to the pool, doing the annual alumni game. Well, we play Stanford at noon, and then um, and at 3 o'clock we got the alumni game. Okay. So. How important is it to keep doing that alumni game? Because I know some uh, sports are able to do it, mm-hmm. some not so much. You yeah. guys clearly are, and you take advantage of it every year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a tradition. And, I mean, it's always been around since I was playing, and I'm coaching. And it's just something What's the I'm oldest doing. alumni that you've seen play in the alumni game? <laughs> Has there been someone you were question. worried about? <laughs> um, um, no, no comment. Okay, <laughs> I just like I, I'll take I, the fifth on that. Okay, I was the I was certainly not a Division One athlete, but like I dabbled in plenty of different sports, and I think water polo would be by far the sport I would be even at thirty five, like least able to even get anywhere close to. <laughs> well, <laughs> just like hopping. You're, back you're not an that. alum, but you you ever get in the pool? Um. I used to do more than I do now. Yeah. I use it for shower purposes. <laughs> you've, earned, you've earned the right to stay on the deck? Yeah. Fair, fair I'd enough. I'd rather do any other activity than, All right. than, than swim on the black. Friday <laughs> night, October 11th at JoJo's. Saturday, let's see if the alumni survive. Yes. Coach Royo, thank you so much for going coming on the show. Good luck. You got it. Thanks, guys. Great stuff from Gavin, as always. I think we got to start counting how many times he's on the show because he will definitely reach the mo- the highest number fastest because he's women and men's water polo coach. He's cheating. So we, like I said last time he was on, I think we got to make him like the five-time jacket, like for SNL. Right. right. The amount of times he's on the show. We got to give him something. He's going to end up – other coaches are going to end up when they're too busy to come on the show. They're gonna. He's going to end up doing the interview for Alan Knight or something. This is what we can do. We'll give him a commemorative pickled egg from Joe Joe's so that he can Look keep in his office. All pickled eggs are commemorative, but yes. <laughs> All right, Andy, before we get out of here, this year on the show, we are doing food recommendations for LB Nation. So what do you got this week? I'm going to go Lola's. Ooh, nice. Nice. Go Lola's uh, chorizo nachos. Mm-hmm. Have you gone? You know what I'm talking about? If yeah, you my, haven't. Uh, my sister-in-law used to work there. It's a great place. And I love what they did to that street. Fourth Street kind the of retro... opening up the street to yep. sit on. Yeah, I really like what they did there. Yeah. Uh, Papalucci is a place JJ and I have gone Ooh, many yes. times with uh, former Long Beach athletes who are now pros. Uh, the garlic knots over there are a lot of people's cheat day when they come home and are no longer being followed around by an NFL or MLB nutritionist. Uh, and it's going out of business at the end of the month, so you got a couple days left to get out and uh, get those garlic knots before they're gone forever. Lunch ziti, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Today would be my food recommendation. Got to go out with my mom and my stepdad and my wife to Open Sesame. Uh, I don't really nice. have to say much more. Yeah, Everybody should already yeah. know. Uh, how good open sesame is uh if you've got a food recommendation that you want us to talk about on the show let us know do you want us to ask andy a a specific question let us know we want interaction here at the lb fee show so for andy for producer roger and everybody else who gets this on the air thank you we'll talk to you guys in two weeks take care lb nation